0: It's it's on. It's on. Okay. Hello. Oh, there we go. Um Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Um Thank you for your blessing upon us, and um, thanks for Daniel. Thank you for this community, and um, I pray that you would bless this evening, um, that you would bless the things that I am about to speak um, as we talk about the tongue, uh, guard the things that I say, uh, that if I say anything that you don't want me to say, that it would fall on deaf ears. Um, but give us receptive hearts to hear what you want us to hear. In your name I pray. Amen. All right. So we're going through the book of James, and we've come to chapter 3, which in my Bible is titled, Taming the Tongue. Um, but first, I want to give a quick recap um, of what we've done so far. So Eric talked about voluntary servanthood in chapter 1, and the code that James lays out for servants in the kingdom of God. Rod taught us about uh, the God as the perfect master, um, and he contrasted God against his boss who wouldn't let him clean the bathrooms, right? Because he wanted to be able to manipulate his employees. So God, that's not God. That's the boss, and then God is the perfect master. Um, Russ gave us the picture of the old manor house with the old servant, um, the old butler named James, who gives new servants uh, their handbook to read and to follow. And Corey told us about favoritism and challenged us to think about how we allow our preconceptions um, to affect the way we see people. And then Eric, I wasn't here, but Eric, I listened to the sermon online, which you all should. But Eric last week challenged us uh, that we can talk as much as we want, uh, but if we don't do anything about our faith, uh, it is dead. Because faith is relationship, and relationship uh, produces stories and deeds. Um, There's also an overall theme that runs throughout chapters 1 and 2 of poverty. um, That we are called to draw ourselves up in our poverty, in the kingdom of God, and to humble ourselves where we have been given much, um, where we are rich, um, and to submit ourselves to God. In fact, Eric in his introduction last week said that our life is to look for each other's poverty and to speak to it and to call it out, Um, and that's where our service happens. Of course, there's so much more to all those sermons, sermons, and you should go back and listen to them. They're all online. Um, But here's the rough picture so far. Is in our walks with God. We are servants in an old manor house who will experience trials, and we have been given instruction by older servants um, on how to serve the perfect master who is God. And all of the things we've talked about so far, joy and trials, temptation, listening, favoritism, rich and poor, faith and deeds, they all come within the context of being um, a servant. So, I don't have any slides. I don't know why I'm looking at the TV. (laughs) So we're in chapter 3. We're going to look at uh, verses 1 through 12, um, which begin with a warning. It says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Um, And as we talk about the tongue, this is stuck in the back of my mind since I'm teaching today. (laughs) Um, So a few points. First, In one commentary uh, I read, it was noted that teachers are listed in high honor by Paul and they hold a great responsibility. Um, In Matthew 23, James is talking about the teachers of the law and tells his disciples essentially, do what they teach, but not what they do. Um, They knew the law and they taught the law, but they did not practice it and therefore were judged strictly because of it. Um, and I like this quote from the commentary. Um, it says, about teachers, um, he must never get into the position when his scholars and students cannot hear what he says for listening to what he is. And I think that's a good warning. Um, second is uh, in the Amplified Bible, which is just a translation that has extra translations of words and clarifiers and stuff. Um, it clarifies teachers as self-constituted censors and reprovers of others. Um, so James is warning against pride and taking on the role of judge ourselves. I thought that was really strong language. I was reprovers of others. Um, and third, I was talking to Eric earlier this week. Um, he said that maybe we just shouldn't be teachers in Arizona schools um, because the pay isn't great and they don't get treated for I don't know. I don't think that's what James is saying, but uh, my wife's not a teacher in Arizona anymore. As much as she actually would want to be. Um, but here's the thing, is, is we're going to be talking about the tongue a lot tonight, and I think one important thing to remember is that teachers talk a lot. I'm going to talk a lot. Um, And they use their tongues, and we'll see in a minute how strong of a warning James gives to those who speak. I'm going to drink some water. There's this handy shelf down here. So last week, Um, Eric talked about how James gets all worked up about things. Um, And I think here, again, James is is getting all worked up about the tongue. Um, And he says these really strong statements. Um, But first, in verse 2, it says, We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. I think what happened here is James got really worked up uh, and said, um, wrote all this stuff about the tongue and gave it to someone to read. And they were like, hey, hey James, like, whoa, man, this is really heavy and kind of harsh. And, um, you know, what about the gospel? So James added verse two as a lens uh, to read the rest of the passage through, uh, because verse two is the gospel. Right, he's saying everybody stumbles, everybody fails. If you didn't fail, you'd be the perfect person. That is Jesus. Um, so these are glasses we're looking through. We are broken people who are called to be servants, and we're gonna mess up sometimes, a lot, a lot of times. That being said, let's talk about talking. So verse, verses three to five. So here we have three pictures. The tongue is a bit in the mouth of a horse, a rudder on a great ship, and a small spark. Um, and I, I want to be careful because I have a tendency to take metaphors too far. Um, but this is this is really the great potential of the tongue. Um, if you've ever ridden a horse, you know that they like to wander. Um, they stop to eat, and, and they pull off the... the trail or wherever you're trying to go. Um, and you you end up pulling on the reins a lot. Like I, when I rode a horse, I ended up pulling up a lot and trying to get, you know. But a skilled rider on a horse, I've read this, I don't know this from experience. But a skilled rider on a horse uses, um, they, they, they use their knees to guide the horse. Um, so whereas a beginner tugs and pulls on the reins a lot, um, the reins in skilled hands become an even more powerful tool. And The rudder on a ship has the power to guide a ship through the most dangerous of passages, but if it is broken, um, it becomes a more than useless piece of wood on the back of the ship, and then the ship goes wherever the wind wants to take it um, or wherever the current directs it into the rocks or out to sea. And um, the spark probably has the most potential, I think, of these examples. It can start a wild, it can start a campfire, uh, providing warmth and safety, or a wildfire, um, destructive and out of control. So I like to tell stories. This came up in my potter's wheel a few weeks ago. I like to tell stories. Um, And when I first started coming to the village, I felt like I only knew one person. Um, I only knew Lane, who is now my wife. Um, And those of you who were here at the time saw all of this. Um, I would talk to Lane a lot. And I told her lots of stories. And through those stories, I was affirmed. The bitterness and the injustice that I felt were affirmed. Uh, see, when I tell stories, I want to draw from you. I want to know that I am okay. And I drew that from Lane. I made myself okay through my falsely intimate relationship with Lane. And I caused her a lot of pain. Um, because I chose to not worry about the impact that my words and my actions were having. Fast forward a year, a little more than a year-ish, year and a half, something like that. I don't know. Um, I sat across from Lane um, on our first date, and I laid everything out, everything that I had done to her. And um, we talked about the pain and the confusion that she felt, and that conversation changed Um, the entire course of our lives. I spoke, I spoke carelessly and caused my future wife a lot of pain. And later, I spoke again and experienced healing and love. And Lane's told me since, by the way, that she would not have gone out with me again. We would not have had a second date, um, had I not said those things, um, And she would have been hurt, and and even more hurt and angry. You see, the bit and the bridle, um, the rudder and the spark, do not have power in and of themselves. But they give the rider and the navigator and the match striker the ability to exert their power. Um, And so we have to consider what controls the tongue. Verses 6 through 8 say, The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison." I told you, James gets worked up. This is intense. So here again, I think I think Russ talked about this, and I think Eric mentioned it. I might be wrong about that, but you should go back and listen to the sermons and figure it out. Um, here again, we return to Genesis and to man's original purpose. Genesis 1.28 says... God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. James knows God's purpose for humans was to enjoy his creation. We were given the world and we rebelled and tried to seize control. And in that, we lost control. James sees that humans have still tried to, to subdue the earth, and we are still trying to subdue the earth, um, but they have lost control of themselves. And he's all worked up. He's exclaiming in despair at the state of the tongue and the damage it causes. But in the midst of this, again, there is the reminder of the lens he gave us earlier, the gospel, The purpose of Jesus' life was to restore relationship. It was to give us hope that though we cannot control the tongue, Jesus could. He was the perfect person, able to keep his whole body in check. And the life of a servant in the kingdom of God um, is to listen to God in relationship and to strive to speak the gospel. James openly admits that as servants of God, we are broken and unable to be perfect. But his longing is to see servants of God who would take care of the things they speak. So um, this is uh, the last passage, and I have some thoughts. Verses 9 through 12 say, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings, who have been made in God's likeness, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. There's a funny thing that happens every time I speak up here. Um... It's not really funny. It's God. Uh, While I'm preparing my talk, I always struggle with the thing I'm going to talk about. So we weren't here last week because we went to Yellowstone, um, which was really, really cool and beautiful. Um, We went to visit Lane's brother, Neil. And on Sunday, we traveled all day and got back at 11 p.m. And I'm in a pilgrim group that is now ending... Um, with Daniel and Jesse, um, because Daniel's going to college. And um, we we went through the gospel study, and we talked about God and the gospel story, identity, kingdom, um, and we prayed together. And uh, I asked Daniel to pick us up from the airport, um, because he's on summer break, and he's going to be a college student, and I figured he wouldn't be asleep anyway. Sleep is good. You need sleep. So we're sitting on the curb, waiting for Daniel, and um, we have our luggage, and there's this traffic cop. And she's whistling at cars and, and telling people to move on uh, and letting people cross the crosswalk, You know, stopping the cars, generally doing her job. And Daniel pulls up and gets stuck, because there's people in the way, and there's a couple cars, and so he's sitting there waiting for the cars to move, and the traffic cop whistles at him uh, to move on. And I lost it. I started arguing with the traffic cop um, about how there were cars in the way and The only place for him to go was a fire lane, and why should he have to go all the way around if we're 10 feet away from him? Generally, making a fool of myself, allowing my anger to control me. and So in my tiredness, which is not an excuse, but merely the truth, in my tiredness, I allowed my tongue to burn up and light a destructive fire that reflected who I am when my filters are down. So my two interactions with Daniel this week were a campfire of warmth and safety in Pilgrim Group and a destructive wildfire out of control um, with the argument with the traffic cop. And as James would say, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. So my understanding from listening to the sermon, and I, I'm sure there are some different people here this week than were here last week, but my understanding is that all of you read your employee handbook. <laughs> yes? Yeah? I'm, I, gotta, I have to say, I'm really more with Eric on this. I, I might have skimmed it, but I, I definitely didn't read it all the way through. So I want you to help me out. What would an employee handbook say about the tongue or about speaking? It's what? <laughs> what would it say? I, I'm, I'm, anything. Yeah. Okay. 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 <laughs> okay, so no no private lives, no politics. Let the manager deal with it. Speaking in a way that's respectful. Um, don't yeah, don't bring embarrassment. That's a good. Yep. Don't bring embarrassment. That is excellent. <laughs> sure, no derogatory, no discriminatory language. No bad words. Be nice. Speak kindly. Um, so an employee handbook is concerned, and you can push back on this if you want, but I think an employee handbook is concerned primarily with external action um with what is actually spoken and it's um that's really kind of what the 10 commandments is also, right? It it's it's external action and then James continuing the teaching of Jesus has a different take. He has the gospel. Um and Jesus said love God, love people. Um the gospel's about relationship. You see, Jeremiah 2.13 says, uh, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. And there are two wells. One that we have dug, that holds nothing and cannot quench thirst, and one that offers living water. Jesus said in his encounter with the Samaritan woman that he was the living water. That he had the living water. And this is what James is calling servants of God to. That we might drink deep of God and so pour out fresh water and not salt water. Um, it is the, the internal action that is what matters. Um, And we are not capable of controlling our tongues without relationship with Christ. And even then, uh, to paraphrase what Rod said when we were talking about healing, I am broken, and if I were able to speak perfectly, I would be dead and with Jesus. So I was... (laughs) (laughs) So so I was going through this passage, and um, I have... I kept coming back to three lines of questions um, that I think we all need to consider. And the first is, um, what are my inputs? What am I taking into my body and my mind? Um, I watch too much TV. I think, I understand some of you don't have TVs, but generally speaking, I think we watch too much TV. Um... Like, I I used to watch this show, House. Um, This was, like, nine years ago. Um, I was living in, like, an all-guys house, and I watched, like, I think three seasons in a row of House um, over the course of, like, three days. (laughs) Which is really just not a good idea. But, so House... The character House is this really sarcastic, sometimes cruel person. And watching the show, I would hear myself in my interactions with people in real life, I would hear this, this sarcasm. It hooked right into my sarcasm. And I would hear myself reacting sarcastically and, and having that sort of cruelty to my speech. And I just, I had to stop watching. Because even the most innocuous programming still has elements of the world that we find so hard to filter out of our minds. And the amount of time that we spend on TV and the internet and YouTube, which I know is on the internet, just wanted to emphasize that, The amount of time that we spend on TV and the internet far outweighs the amount of time we spend with God and in community. So what are my inputs? What am I taking into my mind? Second is, what am I dwelling on? What am I meditating on? A key element um, in the stories I tell about myself Um, is bitterness about injustice or perceived injustice. And it poisons my soul and stirs up my anger. This is the internal dialogue that we have in our minds that we think is okay because no one ever hears it. We don't actually speak those things. But it's still poisonous because we aren't called to demand forgiveness and we aren't called to forgive only when forgiveness is asked for. We're called to forgive um, and to meditate on God. And really, in a lot of ways, I think this goes back to what Corey was talking about, about favoritism. Is that if we dwell on the things that we know about people or the things that people have done to us, then it affects the way Um, that we interact with them. And I have things from like 15 years ago, 20 years ago, that stick in my mind, and I chew on them, and I can't let them go, and they are poisonous. Um, So what are my inputs? What am I dwelling on? And the third line of questioning, um, the third line of questions is this uh, Am I listening before I am speaking? Am I formulating my answers before the other person stops talking? And am I concerned about what I want to say? Am I more concerned about what I want to say than about listening to others? Because I've been so convicted recently about the idea that. If I am thinking of my answer before you are done talking, I am no longer listening to you. Um, if I am, yeah, if I am thinking of an answer before you are done speaking, before that, the three things? the Oh, the questions. Yeah. yeah. Am I listening before I'm speaking? Am I formulating my answer before the other person stops talking? Um, and am I more concerned about what I want to say than about listening to others? Um, this this idea, like, if I'm thinking of what I want to say before you're done talking, I'm not listening to you anymore. I'm thinking about myself. And... I was talking to Rod this week, and he was talking about how we live in a polarized culture. You are not done talking, and I have already decided who you are and what I think of you. There's no room for care and compassion. And it happens on, on like social media also. The internet is a raging wildfire. Set on fire by careless tongues and deaf ears. There's a song by Levi Weaver. I really enjoy Levi Weaver, if you haven't heard of him. He's got good music. Um, he's, kind of, he's kind of yelling at God, and he says, And I feel so entitled to be heard, demand you interpret every word, I'm so American. And I... Oh, I need more faith, I guess. I swear, if you tell me how to get it, I'll do anything. And this is the demand that we have on God and the people around us. That we be listened to. That what I have to say is the most important thing. Um, But James is calling us into relationship with Christ. Because we have this passage backwards. We read this, and we think that we have to hold more tightly to the reins um, and to the boat's steering wheel and to the matches. We think we have to be better, which inevitably results in pain and salt water. Um, When in reality, James is calling on us to let go of control and allow Christ to take control and so fill us up so that we might overflow with fresh water. Um, what time is it? 6.15. Of all the sermons, to allow you guys to push back and ask questions, this is it. But we have to go on. So... <laughs> Talk about it while you 're eating, and if you have a pushback, come tell me, but we have to end i 'm going to pray, Lord uh, thank you for this community. Thank you for your word um I pray that as we go forth from this place, uh, that you would draw us to thinking about how we use our tongues um, and how we speak, and that we might be filled with you to overflow with your words, um, rather than try to just control what we say. Uh, yeah. Thank you for your word. Um, Thank you for this time. In your name I pray. Amen.